Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. The end. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 18. I think it's Revelation 18. Yes, Revelation 18, and uh, we're just going to read verse 21 through to 24 uh, so that we can uh, move along pretty much tonight. All right, Revelation 18, verse 21. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found any more. The sound of harpers, musicians, and reading from New King James, uh, flutists and... Uh, Trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. And the voice of the bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. Uh, for by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and saints and of all who were slain on the earth. May the Lord bless his word to our heart. All right, now just take your sheet a moment and see what I, I hopefully covered last week, or one or two. Uh, I think uh, uh, Raj has given our overview very well. So um, last week we uh, just mentioned the fact that uh, as we study the Bible, we think of Charles Dickens' uh, book on A Tale of Two Cities. The Bible is really a, a tale of two cities, uh, Babylon and Jerusalem. And as we've seen together last week, when Babylon was up, Jerusalem was down. When Jerusalem was up, Babylon was down. And uh, all the other cities in the, in the Bible sort of really take their character uh, either from Babylon or Jerusalem. So that's uh, what we see, a tale of two cities. <coughs> Pardon me. All right, now on our general outline here, the points we covered last week, number, number one was the origin of Babylon, which we dealt with in Genesis chapter 10 and 11, and saw that Nimrod, whose very, names mean, uh, very name means the rebel, he's the 13th from Adam, 13 is the number of rebellion, and just that uh, let us make us a city and let us make us a name, make us a tower whose top will reach into heaven. And uh, God saw the whole thing and brought the thing to confusion. So where Babel meant the gate of God, Babylon means confusion. Then uh, number two, the second thing we just dealt with briefly a little bit of the rise of Babylon over the years until we come to the time of Nebuchadnezzar, who was the head of gold. And then uh, number three, uh, we, well, under that we sort of went through the seven world kingdoms, uh, particularly in relation to the people of God, the head, uh, the Assyrian head, the uh, yeah, Egyptian head, pardon me, then the Assyrian head, then the head of gold, Babylon, then Medo-Persia, then uh, Greece, and then uh, the Roman kingdom, and uh, so forth, five of fallen, one is, and then the Antichrist kingdom that's yet to come, or I believe is in formation now. So number two, the rise of Babylon. Then number three, I read from uh, Clarence Larkin's uh, description of the Babylonians, uh, Babel, Babylon's glory as a kingdom, the hanging gardens and everything like that. Number four, we dealt with the Babylonian captivity of the house of Judah and uh, the fourfold desolation that was prophesied in Leviticus 26, desolation of the city, Jerusalem, desolation of the sanctuaries, particularly the temple, desolation of the people, Judah, desolation of the land, Palestine, the seven times punishment uh, that's spoken of in, in Leviticus 26. Then number five, we dealt with Nebuchadnezzar a bit as the Babylonian head of gold, height of his reign in Daniel 1, 2, 3, 
4, the man who become a beast uh, and set up an image where everybody had to worship. The image had 666 stamped upon it with 60 cubits high, 6 cubits wide. There were six musical instruments when everybody had to bow. Pointing to the book of Revelation ultimately. And then uh, number six, where we're going to pick up tonight, we dealt with the fall of Babylon under Belshazzar. All right, now I want you to turn over to uh, uh, the prophecy of Isaiah, and we want to pick up number six and number seven here uh, for the present. So number six and seven, uh, just on your outline here. All right, Isaiah chapter 40. 44 and 45, just in, in a few verses here. Now, you'll notice on our outline that I've given you, we have the fall of Babylon under, uh, under Belshazzar and uh, how the uh, river was diverted and the Medo-Persian soldiers came up through the divi diverted riverbed and that night Belshazzar was slain. All right, now let's go to uh, two or three verses in Isaiah chapter 44. Now, as we read several verses here, I want to remind you, and we're not going to be able to do all this tonight, but if you're taking down notes, uh, you'd need to read these chapters. The most important chapters about uh, the fall of Babylon in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter 13 and 14. We'll be coming to a few of those verses later. Isaiah chapter 13 and 14, Isaiah chapter 47 and 48. Four chapters, particularly in, in Isaiah, and there's several verses we're looking at here. And then in Jeremiah, the next prophet I've got there, Jeremiah chapter 50 and 51. So six major chapters prophesying the fall of Babylon. All right, uh, I'll read off my note here before we read the scripture. Consideration of the prophecies of Isaiah and Jeremiah especially show that there is what uh, interpreters of the word, expositors of the word, refer to as a dual fulfillment in the fall of Babylon. Last, uh, last uh, week we read about Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that double uh, fall. Babylon is fallen, is fallen. It's sort of a double fall, points to this dual fall. Now, Isaiah 45, 44, I'm sorry, 44, and verse 24 through to 28 and onwards, Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb, I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself, that frustrateth the tokens of the liars, and makes diviners mad, that turneth wise men backward, and maketh their knowledge foolish. We can apply this, as we'll see in the next few verses, to the uh, handwriting on the wall, Nebuchadnezzar's dream, uh, the handwriting on the wall and the fall of Babylon. All the wise men, the astrologers, the prog uh, monthly prognosticators and all of them, they, all the wisdom of Babylon was brought before Nebuchadnezzar and, and, uh, to interpret his dreams. They couldn't tell the dream nor interpret it. Same with Belshazzar. So God just makes uh, foolishness of the wisdom of this world. Then in verse 26, that confirmeth the word of his servant and performeth the counsel of his messengers, messengers, and that says to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be inhabited, and to the cities of Judah you shall be built, and I will raise up the decayed places thereof, that saith to the deep, Be dry, and I will dry up thy rivers, that saith of Cyrus, He is my shepherd, and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, 
Thou shalt be built unto the temple, thy foundations shall be laid. Continue, because there was no chapter division when Isaiah uh, wrote the book. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden, to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings. We think of Belshazzar, how his uh, knees smote together when he saw the hand, and the handwriting on the wall in an unknown tongue over against the golden candlestick, mocking the vessels out of the temple of Jerusalem. So, uh, thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand have I holden, to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings, and listen to this, to open before him the two-leaved gates, or the double doors, New King James says, and the gates shall not be shut. I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and in sunder the bars of iron. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which called thee by name and the God of Israel. So now let's just remind ourselves where we uh, looked at that section uh, last, uh, last week here. Okay, we saw how uh, the history of Babylon here, that house of Judah goes into Babylon in captivity 70 years. Now at the end of the 70 years, God has prophesied way back in Isaiah's time, about 100 years or more beforehand, also through Jeremiah, that the uh, Babylon captivity would last 70 years. And after that, all the things that had been desolated would be restored. So the temple would be rebuilt. Uh, the city of Jerusalem would be built. Uh, the land would be restored and recovered after enjoying its Sabbaths. And then also Judah, or the Jews, the house of Judah would be restored to the land. So the fourfold desolation that took place here under Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, it was to last for 70 years only. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar, 70 years only, and then God would restore. So the 70 years, 70 Sabbaths. Now... Here in the uh, fall of Babylon, remember what I said last week, just to pick up these loose ends here. Uh, as Dan Daniel is interpreting the handwriting on the wall, and uh, in, a, in a sense, tongues in interpretation, unknown tongue needing interpretation, uh, history tells us, and fulfilling the prophecy here, how the Medo-Persian soldiers had diverted the river Euphrates, the riverbed, and they came up the uh, dry riverbed, Euphrates, and came up through the gates, and uh, history tells us the only night in the history of Babylon that they forgot to shut the two gates of brass where the uh, river Euphrates ran diagonally across the city. They came up to the gates of brass, found the two gates open, they came up through the gates and up through the tower of Baal, and the Bible simply says that night Belshazzar was slain. Just that simple. Now all that's going to be very significant in due time. Now according to history, we're told that somebody came to Cyrus and showed Cyrus his name in the prophecy of Isaiah, which is given back here about 100 or 125 years before, so these are the prophets we're looking at, Isaiah and Jeremiah, and uh, someone brought Isaiah's prophecy to Cyrus and said, listen, your name, you were named before, 100 years or more ago by one of our prophets, Isaiah, and he, he referred to you as the Lord's anointed. And he said that you were going to release 
the Judah from Babylon captivity and let them go back to the land and that you would give a decree concerning the city and the temple. And according to uh, history on this, they say Cyrus was so overcome with the thing uh, that think that the God of heaven would name him a hundred years or more before he was born. He really took it into his heart to do it. And so he gave this decree, what we've got here, to rebuild the temple, rebuild the city. And so what we've said here, that saith to the deep, be dry, I'll dry up thy rivers. So the river Euphrates dried up, diverted. That says of Cyrus, he's my shepherd. He's going to drive the sheep back to the land. He's going to say to Jerusalem, you will be built to the temple, your foundation will be laid, and uh, subduing kings, loosening the loins, opening the leave gates, all those things over 125 years beforehand. How many uh, know that God knows what he's doing? I want to give you seven things that happened in the fall of Babylon here. Okay, now it's going to be interesting and, and significant here. So four, seven things that happened in the fall of Babylon here. All right, so I'll just say them simply, and they're all in these verses or in the chapters I've given you. Number one, Cyrus was personally named over a hundred years before his birth. So number one, say them simply because we have so much material I need to finish tonight. Okay, so number one, Cyrus was uh, pers named, uh, personally named over a hundred years before his birth. We've seen that. Number two, the river Euphrates was to be dried up. And in the history it was diverted. And remember we've said previously about the river Euphrates in the, in the book of Revelation. That's mentioned again. And uh, see, I'm not one of those people that spiritualize away things. I mean, as I said last week, one of the principles of interpreting the word is if, if Scripture makes common sense, seek no other sense or you'll get into nonsense. I think that's a good statement. The Bible makes common sense, seek no other sense or you're going to end up with nonsense. So God dried up the Red Sea to let Israel pass across, didn't he? We all believe that. And he, he, he also diverted the river Jordan to let Israel cross into the promised land. So he's already done these things, so it's no harm and nothing for God to dry up the river Euphrates in due time. Here, in this case, it was diverted uh, elsewhere. Okay, number three, third thing in the fulfillment of Babylon here, the, the fall of Babylon, the gates of brass were left open. The only night in the history of Babylon, according to history, we are told, the only night that they forgot to shut the gates of brass. So number three. Number four, the wise men of Babylon were confounded. In fact, I'll give you a couple of scriptures here. Uh, in, in those chapters I've given you, let's see if I can pick up the appropriate verse. Yes. Uh, Isaiah 47, put down verses 9 to 13. Isaiah 47, verse 13, uh, 9 to 13, sorry. But these two sh things shall come upon thee in a moment, in one day, the loss of children and wood widowhood. They shall come upon thee in their perfection for the multitude of thy sorceries and for the great abundance of thine enchantments. Then go down to verse 13 or verse 12. Stand now with thine enchantments and with the multitude of thy sorceries, wherein you've laboured from your youth. Thou art wearied in the multitude of thy counsels. Let now the astrologers, the stargazers, the monthly prognosticators stand up and save thee from those, these things that shall come upon thee. 
And so in that night, God just confused the wise men. Put down uh, Jeremiah 51 and verse 39. Jeremiah 51 verse 39. Because there the Lord says that the, the men of Babylon would be drunk. And so you think, as we read last week, the great feast of Belshazzar with a thousand lords and a 32,000-piece orchestra and 50,000 people attending the banquet as they're drinking themselves drunk and mocking God and using the vessels from the temple of Jerusalem. Uh, God said, uh, I'll make you drunk. And so the wise men of Babylon were drunk and confounded. Number five, the fifth thing that happened in the fall of Babylon, it says, uh, I'll give you two scriptures here, uh, I'll say the statement first. The Medes were to take the city. We say the Medes and the Persians, but the Medes were to take the city. The Medes were to come from the north and take the city. They were specially, specifically named. Isaiah 13, 17. Isaiah 13, 17. And Jeremiah 51, verses 28 to 29. So that's Isaiah 13, 17. Jeremiah 51, verses 28 to 29. Number six. The Babylonian guards or watchmen would not fully know the city was taken. Okay, pretty full sentence there. The Babylonian guards or the watchmen would not know that the, fully, the city was fully taken. Listen to this uh, prophecy of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 51. And uh, just imagine the scene that night when they didn't even know the city had been taken. So the Babylonian guards or watchmen did not fully know the city was taken. Jeremiah 51 and verses 30. The mighty men of Babylon have forborne to fight. They have remained in their holes. Their might hath failed. They became as women. They have burned a dwelling place as her bars are broken. And listen to verse 31. One post shall run to meet another and one messenger to meet another to show the king of Babylon that his city is taken at one end. Over 70 years before. So one post running along the wall. Hey, the city's been taken at this end. They didn't even know it. Just like that. So the Babylonian guards, watchmen, didn't even fully know it. They ran to meet each other and say, hey, the city's been taken at one end. Number seven, the Babylonian captivity was to end which we've just done up here, and Judah was to return and rebuild the city and the temple. And I've given you the prophecies on that. So the Babylonian captivity was to end, and Judah was to return and rebuild the, city, uh, the temple and the city of Jerusalem. I'll give you a couple of scriptures here because through Isaiah and through Jeremiah, there comes the call... And boy, what lessons there are here that we can't divert too much. There came the call, come out of Babylon, my people. Come out and go back and restore the city and the temple. Many of the Jews did not believe in restoration or respond to it. They were content to stay in Babylon. And that's the whole message there. So come out. So Isaiah 48 verse 20. Isaiah 48 verse 20. And uh, Jeremiah 51 verse 6 and 45. Jeremiah 51, verse 6 and 45. Oh, one more I had, it was eight, I'm sorry, correction here. Number eight, Baal, B-E-L, or the Tower of Baal, which was their God, was to be taken. 
And in Isaiah's prophecy and Jeremiah's prophecy, God specifically mentions the great God, Baal, the Tower of Baal, Baal to be taken. Isaiah 46, 1 to 6. Isaiah 46, 1 to 6. And it says, Baal boweth down, Nebo stoopeth, their idols were upon the beasts. And then, that's uh, Isaiah 46, 1 to 6. And then Jeremiah 51 to 2. All right, so eight major things that happened in the fall of Babylon. Okay, everybody with me? All right, now, as we go through these prophecies that I've given you, what we will find is that there were some things that were fulfilled and some things that were never fulfilled. And see, this is where expositors uh, differ on this. They say, well, when Babylon fell, all the prophecies of Babylon were fulfilled in its fall, and Babylon will never, ever be rebuilt again. Okay, what we, we'll see tonight is that there's sort of a dual fulfillment. There was a fall here. Babylon is fallen, but there's a, a, a dual prophecy where the ult ultimate fulfillment is found in the book of, Reve uh, book of Revelation. All right, let me give you some of these things here, uh, and I'll give you a verse or so as appropriate, but you'd have to read all those chapters. We don't have that type of time. Okay, so the second thing we're looking at here is the fall of Babylon, prophecies that were unfulfilled. So I've given you eight things that were fulfilled. Now we have uh, some things that were not fulfilled. Okay, so some prophecies were fulfilled, some prophecies were not fulfilled. Reading off my own notes here, many prophecies or much of the prophetic language was not fulfilled at the fall of Babylon, and we'll put the approximate date here, about B.C. 539, uh, 541, just in that period of time there. The years vary a little bit here. But, uh, so I believe there's a, a double fulfillment. All right, number one. I'll just say number one, be very systematic tonight before we get to heart of it. Uh, number one, we're told in Isaiah 13, you just put the chapter down, that Babylon was to be destroyed in, quote unquote, the day of the Lord. Okay, Babylon was to be destroyed in the day of the Lord. Now you'll find here that though Babylon fell, Babylon was not destroyed. All right, Babylon was to be destroyed in the day of the Lord. Number two, also in Isaiah 13, all these uh, so far from Isaiah 13, Babylon was to be destroyed when the sun, moon, and stars failed to give their light. So that again, Babylon was to be destroyed when the sun, moon, and stars failed to give their light. Well, the heavenly planets or the heavenly bodies, the sun and the moon and the stars were not affected when Babylon fell here. When you get to the book of Revelation in association with Babylon, you see the sun, moon, and stars are affected. Okay, so they were not affected back there. So Babylon was to be destroyed when the sun, moon, and stars failed to give their light. All right, number three, Babylon was to be destroyed when the world was punished for its evil. The Lord says in Isaiah 13 also that I will punish the world for its iniquity. 
punished the world for its evil. So Babylon was to be destroyed when the world was punished for its evil. Well, the world wasn't punished back there. Not like we see the punishment in Revelation. So Babylon was to be destroyed when the world was punished for its evil. Number four, also from Isaiah 13. Babylon was to be destroyed when the heavens and the earth, when the heavens are shaken. Yeah, I better get this right. So Babylon was to be destroyed when the heavens were shaken and the earth removed out of its place. That's also in Isaiah 13. So Babylon was to be destroyed when the heavens was be, would be shaken. I will shake the heavens and when the earth will remove out of its place. Well, you see all that happening down here in the book of Revelation. Heavens are shaken, islands disappear, the earth is shaken, everything that is, can be shaken will be shaken. All right, number five, and this is a very interesting one, Babylon was to be destroyed like Sodom and Gomorrah by fire and brimstone from heaven. That never happened in the fall of Babylon. That's in Isaiah 13 and Jeremiah. I'll give you two references on that one. So Babylon was to be destroyed like Sodom and Gomorrah by fire and brimstone from heaven. Well, there's no fire and brimstone that destroyed Babylon back here. All right, two references there, Isaiah 13 and 19. Isaiah 13, verse 19. And Jeremiah 50, verse 40. So Isaiah 13, 19, Jeremiah 15, verse 40. So Babylon was to be destroyed like Sodom and Gomorrah by fire and brimstone from heaven. It wasn't. Number six. Babylon was to be destroyed like a millstone cast into the river Euphrates. I'll say that again and give you the reference. This is from Jeremiah now. Jeremiah was told to take a millstone. Now remember, Jeremiah is the one, so I've given you some prophecy from Isaiah. Jeremiah was the one that prophesied specifically, Judah will go into captivity for 70 years. Nebuchadnezzar will destroy the temple, the city, desolate the land, and take the captives of Judah to Babylon. Uh, Jeremiah that, but he not only prophesied of the captivity, he also prophesied of the fall of Babylon, uh, either this fall in partial fulfillment or an ultimate fall. So Jeremiah uh, was told to take a millstone and uh, he was to take it down to the river Euphrates and plunge it into the river Euphrates and say, thus saith the Lord, that's what's going to happen to Babylon, it will never be restored again. All right, well, we, we read that in the book of Revelation. So here's your statement. Babylon is to be destroyed like a millstone cast into the river Euphrates. Jeremiah 51, Jeremiah 51, verses 60 and 61. Jeremiah 51, verse 60 to 61. Well, Babylon was not destroyed like a millstone cast into the river Euphrates at this fall. Number seven, and this is an interesting one here. Babylon was never to be inhabited from one generation to another. The Arabian was not to pitch there, nor the shepherds have their foals there. That's a pretty full statement, but if you can condense that. So Babylon was never to be inhabited, and I'm going to give you some history in a moment, prove that never fully happened. Babylon was never to be inhabited from one generation to another. 
the Arabian was not to pitch there, nor the shepherds have their foals there. So I'll say that one more time. So Babylon never to be inhabited from one generation to another. The Arabian not to pitch there, and the shepherds not to pitch, uh, uh, have their sheep foals there. That's all in Jeremiah chapter 50 and chapter 51. Yes. So uh, Babylon never to be inhabited from one generation to another. The Arabian not to pitch there, nor the shepherds to have their foals there, like their sheep foals. That's Jeremiah chapter 50 and 51, those two chapters. Two more here. Number eight, Babylon was to be a dwelling of beasts and birds. No human beings, but beasts and birds. That is in Isaiah 13, verses 21 to 22. So Babylon to be a dwelling of beasts and birds. Isaiah 13, verse 21 and 22. Now listen to uh, number 9 and number 10. Just two more on that. Babylonian bricks or stone were never to be used for buildings or laying foundations. As we'll go through history, everything refutes that. Babylonian bricks or stone, stones were not to be used for buildings or foundations. So in Jeremiah 51 verse 26, that's Jeremiah 51 26, it says, they will not take bricks or stones uh, to use them to lay foundations or anything like that. So Babylonian bricks or stone not to be used for buildings or foundations, Jeremiah 51, 26. And then the last one here, number 10. How's everybody pen smoking here? We've got fire extinguishers. Number 10, the last one here. It says, Babylon was never to rise again, but to be desolate forever. Babylon was never to rise again, but to be desolate forever. And there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, about 10 references to that in uh, Jeremiah 50 and 51, those chapters. I won't take the time to give you the exact verse, but Babylon was never to rise again, but to be desolate forever. All right, so what I've given you there, hopefully, uh, is we have eight prophecies uh, that took place and were fulfilled at the fall of Babylon. But we've got 10 major, there are others, but I thought 10 ought to convince you. There are 10 other prophecies that were never fulfilled in the fall of Babylon. So either it's pointing to another city or else a future rebuilding of Babylon. We've got two, two streams of prophecies here. So as I said, dual fulfillment. All right, reading off my notes here. These things never took place in the fall of Babylon, Daniel 5. There was a partial fulfillment, but there must be a future fulfillment. It must either refer to another city or to a future Babylon. Now, as we've seen last week, the book of Revelation speaks of a Babylon in the end time and describes the woman, ecclesiastical Babylon, and the city, political, commercial Babylon. So, we'll see what... Uh, happens here. All right, before we go on with some scriptures here, I want to give you some, um, I hope not too boring history. Yes, listen to some of the history that I've gathered out of different textbooks over the years. And uh, what I'm doing here 
on your sheet there. I've just put down some dates, so uh, you needn't do this, but if I was, you know, you know Kevin Connors a fanatic by now, everybody know that? Three, yes, all the rest of you believe it that you find us out. Okay, so if you put down the history on the timeline here and you know put these dates BC 539, 516, and 478, and 331, so forth, way down to 1898, listen to the history uh, which shows that these 10 points I gave you were never fulfilled. So either there must be a ful future fulfillment or Jeremiah or someone wasn't in the spirit. All right, listen to just some historical facts. Hope they're not too boring. The city of Babylon was captured in BC 541 by Cyrus, who was mentioned by name in prophecy 125 years before he was born. Giving you the references. So quietly and quickly was the city taken on the night of Belshazzar's feast by draining the river that flowed through the city and entering by the riverbed and the gates that surmounted his banks that the Babylonian guards had forgotten to lock that night that some of the inhabitants did not know until the third day that the king had been slain and the city taken. There certainly was no destruction by fire and brimstone of the city at that time. B.C. 516. Some years after, it revolted against Darius Histaspus, I had a name like that, I changed it to Kevin, and after a fruitless siege of nearly 20 months was taken by strategy. This was BC 516. BC 478, about BC 478, Xerxes, on his return from Greece, plundered and injured if he did not destroy the great temple of Baal. BC 331, Alexander the Great, approached the city, was then so powerful and flourishing that he made preparation for bringing all his forces into action in case it should offer resistance, but the citizens threw open the gates and received him with acclamations. After sacrificing to Baal, he gave out he would rebuild the vast temple of that god, and for weeks he kept 10,000 men employed in clearing away the ruins from the foundations, doubtless intending to revive the glory of Babylon make it his capital when his purpose was defeated by his sudden death of marsh fever and intemperance in his 33rd year. During the subsequent wars of his generals, Babylon suff suffered much and finally came under the power of Seleucus, who, prompted by ambition to build a capital for himself, founded Seleucia in its neighborhood about B.C. 293. This rival city gradually drew off the inhabitants of Babylon so that Strabo, who died in A.D. 25, speaks of the latter as being to a great extent deserted. Uh, A.D. 35 or 34, in the book of Acts chapter 2, we have Jews from Mesopotamia and other areas in that, other countries and towns in that area were at the feast of Pentecost on the day of Pentecost. A.D. 60, nevertheless, Jews left from the captivity still resided there in large numbers. And uh, turn to this scripture because um, it's amazing how people spiritualize away the scripture. 1 Peter chapter 5. And uh, Old King James puts it this way, New King James uh, puts the she there. But Old King James, and some other translation says, 1 Peter 5 verse 13, The church that is at Babylon, elected together with you, saluteth you. New King James says, she who is in Babylon. Uh, people say, well, Babylon there means Rome. No, Babylon means Babylon. So they needn't keep Babylon on about Rome. Okay, so the church at Babylon or she at Rome. 
Uh, and Peter wrote his epistle addressed to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, uh, Asia, and Bithynia. AD 116, the city was almost deserted. AD 250, which is not on your notes, and I missed it, I had it on mine. AD 250, there was a Christian church still there. AD 545, about the middle of the 5th century, Theodoret speaks of Babylon as being inhabited only by Jews, who still had three universities there. And in the last year of the same century, the Babylonian Talmud was issued and recognized as authoritative by the Jews of the whole world. AD 917, 917, yes, Ibu Henkel mentions Babylon as an insignificant village, but still in existence. A.D. 1100. About 1100 A.D. it seems to have again grown into a town of some importance, for it was then known as the two mosques. Shortly afterwards it was enlarged and fortified and received the name of Hila or Rest. And I couldn't uh, find the date on this one. But in the Department of War of France at Paris, there is to be seen the records of valuable surveys and maps made by order of Napoleon I in Babylonia, and among them is a plan for a new city of Babylon, thus showing that the vast schemes of Napoleon comprehended the rebuilding of the ancient city of Babylon and the making it his capital, as his ambition was to conquer the whole of Europe and Asia, and he recognized to that end the strategical position of ancient Babylon as a governmental and commercial centre. A.D. 1850. In 1850, the British government sent out a military officer with his command to survey and explore the river Euphrates at a cost of $150,000. And when the European war broke out, the great English engineer who built the Asuan Dam uh, in Egypt was engaged in making surveys in the Euphrates Valley for the purpose of constructing a series of irrigation ca canals that would restore the country and make it again the great grain-producing country it once was. As a result, towns and cities would spring up, railroads would be built. What is needed in that part of the world is a trans-European Asiatic Indian airline that will connect Europe with India and China. Such a line had been the dream of Emperor William of Germany. It was that desire that made him and Abdul Hamid of Turkey the closest of political friends. And he secured from Abdul Hamid a concession to build a railway from the Asiatic side of the Bosphorus by way of Aleppo to the Tigris River, from there to Baghdad, and from Baghdad via Babylon to Kuwait on the Persian Gulf. A.D. 1898. In A.D. 1898, Hilla contained about 10,000 inhabitants and was surrounded by fertile lands and abundant dates, uh, date groves stretched along the banks of the Euphrates and there was a Jewish synagogue there called the Synagogue of Daniel. Now, I read all that boring history. Wasn't too boring, was it? Was the one who read it boring? <laughs> I read all that purposely to show you that these prophecies that Babylon was to be destroyed in the day of the Lord, when the sun, moon, and stars failed to give the light, or when the world was punished for its iniquity, when the heavens were shaken, the earth was moved out of its place, or destroyed like Sodom and Gomorrah, and cast like a millstone in the river Euphrates, never to be inhabited, the Arabians not to pitch their tent there, and uh, all that. I read all that to prove that uh, that never happened back there. How many would agree with me? Three people? Okay. All right. 
So those things never, never happened. The Babylonian bricks or stone, as we'll see, numerous villages have been built from the bricks and stones. So Babylon never to rise again, but to be desolate forever? No. Okay, now let's see where we go. I want you to go to, to uh, number nine on your little outline. Is the little outline helping you a wee little bit? I want you to go to a most peculiar prophecy, Zechariah chapter 5. And we're doing marvellous. Are you doing all right there? <laughs> yes, Kevin, thank you very much. Zechariah chapter 5. A very peculiar prophecy, unless. Unless. All right, now just before we read what, what we're... Just let's pick up here. So we've looked at prophecies of Isaiah and Jeremiah and partial fulfillment of their prophecies about the fall. It's going to see the fulfillment of these prophecies. Now, let's look at Zechariah. Let's put Zechariah in here now. Zechariah chapter 5. And for your notes, you can put verses 5 through to 11. Then the angel that talked with me went forth and said to me, Lift up now thine eyes and see what is this that goeth forth. And I said, What is it? He's full of questions, this fellow, like some of you. And he said, This is an ephah, and remember an ephah is a symbol of commerce, that goeth forth. He said, Moreover, this is their resemblance to all the earth. And behold, there was lifted up a talent of lead, and this is a woman that sits in the midst of the ephah. And he said, this is wickedness. And he cast it into the midst of the ephah, and he cast the weight of lead upon the mouth thereof. Then lifted, up my, uh, up my, uh, then lifted I up mine eyes, and looked, and behold, there came out two women. Wow, this is interesting. A woman, an ephah, Measure, came out two women, and the wind was in their wings, and they had wings like the wings of a stork. Uh, it always bothers me a little bit why when babies are delivered, they always say the stork has been to our house. How many have seen that? You know, the basket, with the, the, I mean the napkin with the, ba the baby in and the stork. Um, in the book of Revelation, there's a woman that has the wings of an eagle where she flies into the wilderness into a place prepared of God where she, she's preserved. I would rather have wings of an eagle than wings of a stork because the stork is a dirty bird. If you go back to the law of clean birds and unclean birds. So this woman is a bit of a stork. She's got wings of a stork. So when you have a baby, change it to eagle's wings. They that wait upon the Lord shall mount up with wings of a stork. Doesn't say that, does it? Wings of an eagle. So pick which bird you want. Uh, anyway, continue. And they lifted up the ephah between the earth and the heaven. Then said I to the angel, talk with me. Where are they going? Where are they carrying the basket? <laughs> and listen to it. And he said unto me, to build it in a house in the land of Shinar. And it shall be established and set there upon her own base. Now, you say, okay, Kevin, what's that all mean? 
Zechariah has come out of Babylonian captivity. Babylon has fallen. He's come out of Babylonian captivity. He's involved in the restoration of the city, the temple, the land, and Judah. And now he gets this weird vision of this woman. She's got this basket, this ephah, this measuring. She's got the wings of a stork, and two women comes off once he lift the lid, lifts the lid off it. And they're flying to the land of Shinar. Well, the first mention of Shinar is in Genesis 10 and 11, we saw last week, where Babylon was built. Going back to Shinar. And what are they going to do there? Oh, they're going to build a house. See, Isaiah said in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house, but now Babylon's going to build a house. And where are they going to build? They're going to set it there on her own base. So Zechariah is actually prophesying of a rebuilding of Babylon, even though Babylon has fallen, and even though he's come out of Babylon. They're going to set it there on her own base. So Zechariah is actually prophesying of a rebuilding of Babylon, even though Babylon has fallen, and even though he's come out of Babylon. So when you get to book of Revelation, that's what you see. Go back to Revelation chapter 17 and 18. Revelation chapter 17 and 18, let me remind you. Revelation chapter 17, we see a woman. And her name is Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. She's drunken with the blood of saints. So the woman, similar to Zechariah, verse 18 of 17. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. So the woman is a city. We think of the woman, the church, the bride of Christ, which is a city, New Jerusalem. The woman and the city, both the same name. Then chapter 18, verse 2, And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the Great is fallen. May I put it in this way? Babylon the Great is fallen. Back there, but it is fallen. This is his final fall. And he's become the habitation of devils, the hold of every foul spirit, cage of every unclean and hateful bird. And then verse 4, come out of her, my people. Now I want to show you something here. In my study of these tremendous books, I'd like you to take this down. <laughs> no, forget it. You can't read that, but let me tell you. This is what I've done in my own expo on Revelation, okay? Which will come out in the millennium or after the Antichrist has been or I've gone to heaven. Okay, this is what I did. A comparison of scriptures and quotations in Revelation chapter 17 and 18 from the Old Testament prophecies. I have 20 references in Revelation 17 and 18 and you'll notice all the quotations. What John has actually done under inspiration of the Spirit has taken all these verses from Jeremiah 51, Jeremiah 50, 50, 51, Isaiah 47, Isaiah 13, he, uh, 47, 50, and Jeremiah. He's taken all these verses from this, these chapters and woven together. Chapter 17, chapter 18 made two chapters out of it. Now, if Babylon's already fallen and it's never ever going to be rebuilt again, what is John doing this? And I've got the major points there. So think of all those quotations, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 
27, 28, 9:30, about 33 quotations from Old Testament making up those two chapters. So people say, all right, did you get all that down? Good, thank you. Yeah, absolutely wonderful. Okay, now what I'm saying here is that Babylon, those prophecies have never ever been fulfilled fully. Many villages have been built out of it. All right, now, I want you to listen to this. Go down to number 10 now. Are you doing marvellous? <laughs> I am. Are you doing marvellous out there? <laughs> you can see why I couldn't try and condense notes for you on this, can't you? Yes, Kevin. Over my years, because I have personally believed uh, that uh, Babylon would be rebuilt in my study of the Bible, and see, most expositors, this is where your expositors are divided. Most say, the Bible says Babylon will never be rebuilt, they'll never take a stone of it, it's going to be desolate forever, and that's the day of the Lord, that's it. And so they say there must be another city that is Babylon, and so the city that's been picked upon has been Rome. How many have heard that? That Rome sitting on seven hills? Now let me say this. I believe there is a, there is a fulfillment here, and I'll tell you why, and I can't get onto this too much. I've mentioned uh, uh, Hislop's two Babylons. See, when, when, the Babylonian pre when Babylon fell over the centuries, the Babylonian priesthood went to Pergamos, where Satan's seat is in Revelation, and from Pergamos, the pontiff of the Babylonian priesthood went to Rome. And the pontiff of Babylonian priesthood talked to the bishop of Rome. One bishop refused to combine the office and said, well, look, let's combine it. But there was another bishop who combined the, the uh, Babylonian priesthood, the supreme pontiff, and all the Babylonian uh, things into Rome, and the bishop of Rome became the continuation of the Babylonian priesthood. And so the woman, remember I said in Revelation 18, 17, 18, you've got three symbols you've got to interpret. You've got the woman, you've got the beast, and you've got the city. The woman and the city both have the same name. So what does the woman mean? A woman's always significant of a church. What does a beast mean? Always symbolic of a kingdom or a government. What does a city mean? Always symbolic of, of commerce, commerce, governmental, political. So you've got three different symbols you've got to keep in mind. So because people didn't understand what Kevin Connor's hopefully teaching you tonight, <laughs> and I'm not the only one that believes this, by the way, okay, they said, well, the New Testament Babylon must be Rome. It's Rome that sits on seven hills. It's Rome that's going to fall. It's Rome. So now I say there was an ecclesiastical fulfillment there, but the real fulfillment is the literal rebuilt city of Babylon in this end of the age. But the prophecies say, way back here, that her time is come. Well, her time was not come. Napoleon tried to do it. Different ones have tried to do it. But her time wasn't come. And we're talking about things of the time of the end. Saints, I believe one of the signs of the times of the end is Babylon is being rebuilt. So let me just give you some boring details because over the years I've been collecting this. And on your notes... I put down where I got all this information from, newspaper reports. I've just put the dates. Listen to this. Way back 19... Now, where have I taken you to? I've taken you to 1898. All those dates I've given you 
the history of Babylon, those 10 prophecies never fulfilled, 1898, now we come to 1971. I'll just give you some of the headlines. See, they want to rebuild Babel. The Tower of Babel, biblical source of the world's languages, may soon rise again over the dusty plain once known as Mesopotamia. Uh, just little bits here. The Iraq government is considering plans to rebuild parts of the ruins of Babylon, including a 290-foot tower which probably inspired the writer of the biblical book of Genesis. The ancient city of Babylon, called Babel in both ancient Hebrew and modern Arabic, is today a desolate expanse of tumble-down mud brick walls and stony dunes beside the river Euphrates, 60 miles uh, south of Baghdad. May I throw this in? Why is it that when America and the Iraqi business and all the Scud missiles were going on, why is it that they bombed Baghdad and all around there, but they didn't bomb Babylon, which is only 55 miles away? I'll tell you why, why Kevin Connor thinks. Anyway, thank you, Kevin. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, invitations, uh, yes, it goes right through. Alexander the Great established Babylon as his Asian capital. He died of malaria in 323 BC and his successors finally abandoned the city. Invitations are being sent out to the world's leading archaeologists. You remember what an archaeologist is? There's one crackpot looking for another crackpot. Uh, <laughs> Don't tell anybody I said that, please. Uh, museums and cultural organizations to take part in a conference to discuss ideas for the future of Babylon. Much more I could read from there. Japanese plan, restoration of Babylon, May 19. Uh, the Iraqi government already has started restoring the legendary city, one of the leading centers of the ancient world. And then it goes on how the Japanese will rebuild the whole thing, the reconstruction, the uh, hanging gardens. Next one. Babylon, Babylon rises from the dead. Uh, while Iran and Iraq have been locked in battle for the past four years, Iraq has been pouring resources into its other great obsession, rebuilding the ancient city of Babylon. President Saddam Hussein has even brought men from the battlefront to work on it. Uh, so on. Uh, Ten million bricks have been used to reconstruct, reconstruct its most famous features, including the processional way, Nebuchadnezzar's throne room, temples, and a 4,000-seat amphitheater. There is still writing on the walls of Procession Street, but there is no sign of the doom written, meeny, meeny, tickle, you've been tickling the parson. No, meeny, meeny, tickle, parson, written on the uh, walls of uh, Belshazzar's palace. Rebuilding Babylon has been difficult because so much archaeological evidence has been destroyed. For hundreds of years, local people have helped themselves to the bricks. And yet it says, not a stone or brick was retained. Okay, I could read more. Fortune awaits engineer who can restore ancient Babylon. And a lot more. President Hussein was born in 1937. Uh, for the 52-year-old president, the city's rebirth is a symbol of resistance to Iran. Iraq's foe in the Gulf Wall and formerly Persia, which seized Babylon in BC 539-538. Babylon will not burn twice, he insists. A lot more I could read there. Ancient legends, legends drive Sudan uh, the conqueror. Uh, he says he is actually a descendant of Nebuchadnezzar and he will do to the Jews what Nebuchadnezzar did. Uh, way back here, the French astrologer, Nost Nostradamus, he predicted something there. Some Jews are now looking to the coming of the Messiah because 
Uh, thousands of Israelis gathered recently in Tiberias in northern Israel around the tomb of a holy man to exorcise, not exercise, exorcise the designs of the new Nebuchadnezzar, Saddam Hussein, the king of Babylon who burned Jerusalem, destroyed Solomon's temple and deported Jews. So forth. more could be read. The Nebuchadnezzar of the end times, the midnight call. So much to you. Let's say how are we doing on our time. I want to give you some quotes right out of Sudan, 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 Sudan. Insane. What's his name anyway? You know, you say it. I'm talking in tongues. What he says. Uh, listen to this one here. History of invasions. Like Nebuchadnezzar, whose royal mark was on every brick, Saddam ordered his own signature stamped on every brick used in the reconstruction. Look at this. Are you enjoying this? Is this boring? They had a festival in this uh, book I've put on there. This man went to the festival and this was the thing that he had. He's, he uh, had a metal, a metal done and the, uh, the, the festival signature of Nebuchadnezzar and himself, Babylonian International. He calls himself the modern-day Nebuchadnezzar. This is how much he's rebuilt of the city of Babylon so far. His guest house here, southern palace of Nebuchadnezzar, all that's been built. Some of this, the Ishtar temple has been built. This temple has been built. He has plans for the whole thing. But how many know that God just, uh, you know, just says, hey, my time, I've just got... I've got a few other things to work in the planet Earth. Saddam, just slow down. Let me read from uh, this guy's book, Charles H. Dyer, which is on your notes there. Picture a cloudless late summer night along the banks of the gently flowing Euphrates River. Thousands of guests and dignitaries walk by torchlight to the procession street leading into the city of Babylon from the north. They line the street flanked by massive walls to watch row upon row of soldiers with swords, spears, shields and helmets march past on the procession street towards the Ishtar Gate. Interspersed among the ranks of soldiers are groups of musicians playing harps, horns, horns and drums, children carrying palm fronds and runners bearing bowls of smoking incense. The crowd follows the last of the soldiers through the Ishtar Gate into the city of Babylon for the concluding ceremony of the evening. A tribute to Ishtar, the mother goddess of Babylon. A scene of pagan worship in the time of Daniel? No, a scene I witnessed, as this writer, in September 1988 as part of the second international Babylon festival held under the patronage of Saddam Hussein. All right, let's continue a little bit more. Let me give you some quotes from the man himself. Under President Saddam Hussein, one of the ancient world's most legendary cities has begun to rise again. More than, uh, more than an archaeological venture, the new Babylon is self-consciously dedicated to the idea that Nebuchadnezzar has a successor in Mr. Hussein, whose military prowess and vision will restore to Iraqis the glory the ancestors knew when all of what is now Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, Kuwait and Israel was under Babylonian control. I showed you this last uh, week. 
what his plan is. Iraq, Babylon, Persia from the north, River Euphrates, the River Tigris, everything here, what his plans are. Okay, let me give you some of his quotes, if I can find all this. So much. All policies, this is Saddam Hussein himself, all policies have always ignored the status of Babylon when they created psychological and scientific barriers between Iraqis and their leaders in ancient times. No one has ever mentioned the achievements of Hammurabi, Hammurabi, the found Rurabi? Hammurabi, yes. Glory, hallelujah. It's ham anyway. It's got some ham in it. Ham's always in the middle. Shem ham and Japheth ham's always in the middle. Uh, the founder of the first organized sets of law in human history, or Nebuchadnezzar, the national hero who was able to defeat the enemies of the nation on the land of Canaan and to take them as prisoner of war to Babylon. What we need now is to increase awareness in this regard. What is most important to me about Nebuchadnezzar is the link between the Arabs' abilities and the liberation of Palestine. Nebuchadnezzar was, after all, an Arab from Iraq, albeit ancient Iraq. Nebuchadnezzar was the one who brought the bound Jewish slaves from Palestine. That is why whenever I remember Nebuchadnezzar, I like to remind the Arabs, Iraqis in particular, of their historical responsibilities. It is a burden that should not stop them from action, but rather spur them into action because of their history. Um, when asked, and this is David Lamb in Los Angeles Times, when asked if Hussein ever dreamed of fulfilling a role such as that of Nebuchadnezzar or Saladin, Saladin an Arab hero who fought the Crusaders. Hussein replied, by God, I do indeed dream and wish for this. It is an honor for any human being to dream of such a role. Then in other articles, uh, the Babylonian governor, Arif Gita Sahil, the president has signed an open check to reconstruct the ancient city and revive the marvelous shape it had before the Persian aggression, which destroyed it more than 20 centuries ago. Um, Let's finish on this a little bit and then I'll give you some of my predictions. When uh, this is from Nebuchadnezzar to Saddam Hussein, which I need to put this up. This is the poster that uh, Saddam Hussein had for the International Festival. Look at the poster. Poster is what you've seen on this. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar here and Saddam Hussein, and it's got from Nebuchadnezzar to Saddam, Saddam Hussein, Babylon undergoes, how do you say that word, Renaissance? Renaissance? Anyway, Babylon International Festival. Some of the other articles say that uh, Nebuchadnezzar only had his name on every hundredth brick. Uh, Saddam has it on every sixth brick or something like that. All right, let me finish on this and give you my predictions. This is from uh, the booklet published on this. When ba Babylon consisted of small city-states and separate dynasties, Hammurabi, Hammurabi waged successive wars to unite these city-states so that Babylon remained as one city as the bright light of civilization. However, it suffered more and more from repeat attacks until Nebuchadnezzar came to power and reconstructed. He built temples and high walls as he realized it was the pulpit of the first Iraqi civilization. Today looks exactly like, like yesterday. 
After long periods of darkness that enveloped the land of Babylon and concealed its characteristics, Saddam Hussein emerges from Mesopotamia as Hammurabi and Nebuchadnezzar emerged at a time to shake the century-old dust of Babylon's face. Saddam Hussein, the grandson of the Babylonians, the son of this great land, is leaving his fingerprints everywhere. Much, much, much more could be filled. All right, so what I, what I hope I've convinced you so far is that all the prophecies concerning Babylon's fall did not take place in the fall of Babylon here. Would everybody agree with that? Okay? And that there are some spiritual connotations with Rome because of the religious, the supreme pontiff of the Babylonian priesthood uniting with the bishop of Rome, and that's how much of so much Babylonianism is in Romanism. And so to say, I shouldn't say this is on tape. May the tape shrivel up and die. <laughs> and all those who have tapeworms. Rome. <laughs> Rome is the mother of harlots. Harlots adored us. Take this kindly, please. And all the Protestant daughters that have come out of Rome still have a lot of what I call a Protestant form of Romanism that we still need to be delivered from. And take it for what it's worth, Christmas, Easter, all these festivals, all pagan, what are we still keeping them for in the church for? I try to break it, but they want to break me. Anyway, thank you, Kevin, that's an excellent thought. And, 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 and we have to watch it in Wavy that we don't carry on the Babylonian traditions because like mother, like daughters, and see, this, is not, this will be another subject, I think. The daughters are going back to mum. When you see the World Council Church is the one world church, pity help the true church, the bride of Christ. Then I'm going to get my eagle's wings and I'm going to be at Armageddon, Armageddon right out of it. Okay, now, did you lose what I was saying then? Okay, so spiritually, yes, but I believe there's going to be a literal city of Babylon rebuilt. Now, whether Saddam Hussein is the man that's going to complete it, I don't know. He's the next step in the big link. So I want to finish with seven little points, and I'm going to be saved. Ooh, I should be finished. Okay. I predict, you can put that down. <laughs> I didn't say I prophesy, I predict. Number one, that Babylon as a literal city will be rebuilt. And if, you know, if I don't live to see it and I go to heaven, you can say, well, Kevin's dead and he knows better now. But uh, don't throw it away, I could be right because I've got a lot of stuff here that I've been building up. Okay, so number one, Babylon is a literal city will be rebuilt. Number two, I predict. <laughs> oh, I've got to get this tape. I get this tape in the name of Jesus. No one gets this tape. <laughs> number two, I predict probably that Babylon will become the United Nations headquarters in due time. 
Now you think of that. There's more in that than meets the ear. Because you see, where's the United Nations headquarters at the moment? New York. I think as things develop in the next few years, depending how many years God gives us, I think they're going to say, hey, now Saddam Hussein, whether he's alive or dead, I don't know what will happen. Let's go back to Babylon. And maybe that's why the Americans had in mind, let's not bomb what he's rebuilt of Babylon. So it's only 55 miles away. They could have easily have done it, but they didn't touch it. Why? Okay. Let's go back to our roots. We all began at Babylon. That's where the nations began. Let's get back to our roots. Everybody's wanting to go back to their roots. Let's go back and make it there. Ah, I predict probably that it will become the United Nations headquarters in due time. Number three, I predict. <laughs> and remember, I don't predict this for sheer fun. You know, you know Kevin Conn is very careful what I say from this pulpit. All right, number three I predict. I predict that Babylon will become the political headquarters for Antichrist and the kings of the Antichristal Empire. Say that again. I predict that Babylon will become the political headquarters for Antichrist and the kings of the Antichrist Empire. Okay, let me just throw... Uh, yeah, I do. I got that on another. I predict. Okay, number four. <laughs> I'm enjoying this. I hope you are. Sometimes I go home and repent, but I say, "Lord, it was fun." Okay. Yeah. So number three, I'll say that again. So I predict that Babylon will become the political, the politicals. You know, as I said, headquarters for Antichrist and the kings of the Antichristal Empire. Number four, I predict. I predict that Babylon will come to its height and power in the three and a half years of the Great Tribulation in the book of Revelation. That's where Babylon is first linked up here in Revelation. I've given you all that last week. You need to get both tapes if you were not here. So I predict that Babylon will come to its height and full power in the three and a half years Tribulation. Number four, listen to this. Oh, number five, you can count. Number five will be this. Because we picked this up. Remember I said at the beginning, Bible's a tale of two cities. So here we have Babylon here. And what's the other city? Jerusalem. Okay. I say when Babylon's up, Jerusalem's down. When Jerusalem's up, Babylon's down. These two cities are both in Revelation. I'm going to deal with the next city maybe next week. God willing, Kevin willing, you're willing. So I predict, number five, that Babylon and Jerusalem will be connected as political and religious cities during this time of tribulation and the wrath of God. I'll say that again. I predict that Babylon and Jerusalem will be connected, how do I say that? Uh, yeah, be connected as the political and religious. And I mean, how, you know, how interesting, because the three greatest world religions, Christianity, Mohammedanism, Judaism, all go back to that city. So I predict 
that Babylon Jerusalem will be connected as the political and the religious. My, what an interesting setup here. Babylon, Jerusalem, Rome. During this time of tribulation and the wrath of God. Number six, I predict, and I don't have to predict this one, because Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Zechariah have already prophesied, and John, and you can add John here, see? So what you could do to finish off here is put John in the book of Revelation and all he says about Babylon. So I predict that Babylon will be destroyed totally at the second coming of Christ according to all the prophecies of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Zechariah, and Revelation. Say it again. I predict that Babylon will be destroyed totally at the second coming of Christ according to all the prophecies of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Zechariah, and Revelation. And I read that at the beginning. He took a millstone. Jeremiah did it way back here. He took a millstone and God said, take a millstone. I want you to go down to the river Euphrates, Jeremiah, and cast that millstone into the river Euphrates and say, thus saith the Lord, uh, Babylon will be destroyed, never to rise again. John goes back here and takes it right out of Jeremiah's mouth and he, took, he saw this angel take the millstone and cast and say, thus with violence, Babylon destroyed. So Babylon destroyed totally at the second coming of Christ according to all the prophecies of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Zechariah, and the Revelation. And number seven, as we finish, Babylon will sink like a millstone, never, ever, ever, never, ever to rise again. Hallelujah. So number seven, Babylon will sink like a millstone, never, ever, to rise again. Phew. Everybody done? How many think that would be an interesting booklet? To put all this together? I mean, I've got 50 pages of it here. All right, I think you've had enough, don't you? Let's all stand. How many really feel they got something out of this, though? Okay, so I do predict that. Watch that, I believe, whether it's Saddam Hussein or some other man, it's going to complete that. And uh, I take as a literal city, not just Rome. Rome has a spiritual aspect. This, I believe, is a literal. So uh, watch the newspapers, but keep your eye on the heavenly city of God, whose city and maker is God. Father, we just thank you for our time of sharing together in your wonderful word. We just uh, make us more conscious, Lord, that we are living in the time of the end when the uh, utterances of the prophets are coming to pass in our, in our generation. Help us to walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, not be deceived by the Spirit of the world, and not allow the Spirit of Babylon to be in our hearts and lives, to come out of all confusion, and, Lord, to walk towards the city uh, whose builder and maker is God, the heavenly Jerusalem, that city that Abraham looked for. Father, just may we hide these words in our hearts and uh, fall upon good ground and bring forth fruit in our life. In the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and everyone said amen. amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.